HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers, uh, brought to you uh, weekly on the radio network called Heritage Radio Network, uh, sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch. And uh, in this instance and in many instances, dealing with the issues facing young farmers all over the country, uh, wherever they may be, um, they, are, they are all a part of the same project, which is reclaiming American agriculture to be more edible. So today on the phone, we're joined by Sarah down in Kentucky. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> so, so it's nice to have you here on the phone, and it's nice to have you um, have such a long Internet exchange and to hear so many stories, and you figured out how to use those smiley faces on the Internet. <laughs> yep, um, that's, that's, the I computer's one thing we're good at. Computer's one thing you're good at? Yeah. <laughs> So um, I think that you're good at quite a few things. Let's start with um, where you are in the world, who you are, and, and what you're doing down there in Kentucky. Okay. Well, my name is Sarah Petronic. We're down um, in south-central Kentucky um, out of a small town called Edmonton. It's about 45 minutes east of Bowling Green. And um, we came down here and started getting into the business of... Um, a blueberry plant nursery. So blueberries, obviously, you know, blueberries are a superfood and they're an antioxidant. And every time I'm in a city, I see them everywhere. And, and uh, as a result, blueberries are, in fact, one of a significant uh, crops. They're one of the significant crops of new entry farmers. And there are just whole hosts of people who get into independent farm operations on the basis of blueberries alone. But you're not raising blueberries to pick. You're raising blueberries uh, to plant. Is that right? That is correct. Um, we, my uncle um, lives, moved down here originally 10 years ago, and he started up the Kentucky Blueberry Growers Association. And what he does is he gets in contact with people all over the country. He even has contacts in China where they're starting to get more um, different agriculture going there. And so what we do is we start the blueberry plants from little cuttings and we grow them into smaller plants that he goes on and sells. So you have what they call a propagation station. Sure. <laughs> and, and are you, are you, are you the, uh, the chief propagator? Or I am, what, just, just describe the team and how it's functioning down there. 
I, I am not the chief propagator by any means. Um, my dad moved down here about five years ago. He worked, We were originally from South Haven, Michigan, and he was a um, maintenance engineer at a chemical plant, actually. And he came down um, when his plant started going through some takeover changes and stuff and got into this business with his brother. And so a couple years ago, my husband and I moved down here, and my husband actually works with my dad and my stepmom in that business. And I have gone from working full-time plus in a hospital setting as an x-ray tech to being a stay-at-home mom and amateur gardener this year on my own. <laughs> so. so this is a family business that started out, um, it started out with people kind of moving away from um, a, a factory-type environment. And, mm-hmm. and getting involved in this business, and now you guys are the second generation to leave um, to leave the daily grind and go um, back to blueberry back to blueberry land. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. My my dad's kind of like a half generation, I suppose, because he didn't do any farming stuff really until he moved down here about five years ago. Now we were, I mean, it, it was, he never had a big interest in it, and it never. Because my parents didn't have an interest, it just never crossed my mind at all until, you know, recent economic changes. My husband was working at an auto factory that was closing down, and just the series of events led us out here. But it it works pretty well, and it and it's nice to know that you can get back to basics. And just because you didn't grow up doing that stuff, you can actually, you know, learn it and have it kind of sustainable for you. When so, so you're probably the right person to say, uh, I just used to know about x-ray professionally. I was an x-ray technician, and now now um, I am a blueberry technician, and, and, the, and the changeover is possible within one lifetime. Yes. Within, it's been a year, almost two years we've been down here, and he's, tra- he's transitioned. He's been fully on the farm only for a year now. But um, yeah, it's it's totally it's totally doable, and it's very different. But it's very rewarding. You feel a little more fulfilled at the end of the day, you know, knowing that you're doing something good, and that it's not a job where you're doing a bunch of paperwork, and it just kind of feels like miscellaneous, just trying to get yourself by, <laughs> kind of thing. So. Yeah, mis- uh, miscellaneous describes a lot of things. Um, let's describe. I, I really like that use of the word, and I um, I think I might adopt it. But there's. Uh, let's describe what's going on there in rural Kentucky, like around you, and because you guys have come to a new community, so you kind of have fresh eyes there. Um, and maybe could just just talk a little bit about what other people are doing and how um, the existing industries down there are coping with the economic situation compared to where you came from. Yeah, it, it it's it is different and surprising. When we first were considering moving, they were doing really well down here, and um, by the time we moved, things started change really fast. Like it started doing with the auto factories in Michigan. So he, my husband, actually had a harder time getting a job. But when he did, he found one locally because the people around here are very nice. I. I feel kind of bad saying this, but, you know, being from more of a city area, when you look, think about, you know, 
rural Kentucky, you kind of get a little judgmental sometimes, but the people are so nice. Our community is actually made up of quite a bit of people that have gone from um, being in big cities down in Florida and um, along the East Coast and wanted to get, you know, get some open land because the cost of living is less here. But the job situations, we have had plants, a lot of the um, Carthart plants are around here, and they've had hard times and have begun shutdowns to certain degrees. But, um, but yeah, every, everyone here is, is just it's such an accepting kind of area. And we were actually hit when the Nashville floods hit May 1st. Our county was hit and was declared a national disaster zone as well being with all the hills and ridges, it flooded, but the communities all kind of pulled together and have been helping each other, which is just, it's so nice to see being in a place where people actually care about each other. Even if they don't really know you, they're there to lend a hand for you. Yeah, it's amazing that, uh, it's amazing cultural difference that happens um, when we, when, when you're in a different structure of a, of a community. It's kind of, uh, it's appropriate because you really do need each other when mm-hmm. when those floods come and the and the municipal service providers are really not able to service such large areas with the lower tax base, et cetera. So um, necessity does breed that, I guess. Yeah, it does, and and it's so funny too because everybody people do. Um, we, there there's quite a few farmers in the area, and they, I mean, they do a lot of them are mainly they do enough to sustain their family, and then they have extras for the farm market and such. And um, so you kind of, you're nicer. You say hi, you drive down the road, you wave at everybody. And then I went back home for a visit, and people, you know, I wave at them, and you get the dirty look sometimes, or we get stuck in traffic, and my sister's having a cow, and I'm like, at least it's going faster than a tractor. (laughs) So... (laughs) I, I think it's a good thing that, you know, the stress level goes down so much that you just kind of learn that things as bad as some things get or how much we build things up in our head, especially when we're all on such hectic schedules and stressed out. And if we just kind of stop and relax, things you're going to make it. <laughs> you can always find a way to get by. So I, I've learned that one pretty good throughout all our journeys in the last two years as well. There's a lot there's a lot of learning in transition it seems like. The 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 question I have next for you is what are those people farming? It sounds like they're um they're pretty small operations. Is there any um big ag or or um ag business going on in your in your county? In my county there's still a lot of tobacco farming going on. Um I guess it's it's not as big as it was because of the buyouts and settlements, but there are quite a few in um in Medcalf County here that do do tobacco farming still. Um we have there's probably about geez, only maybe twenty total acres of blueberries in this entire area, which is why they're trying to really push blueberries going around down here. And um, some strawberry things. I think Eastern Kentucky has some. They do. They're trying to get more into potatoes. 
and stuff too. But it's it's mainly tobacco and then just the garden variety things. People tend to do quite a few peaches and cherries around here too. So what I'm hearing is that there was mostly tobacco farming, and as the tobacco industry is having some troubles or production is moving elsewhere mm-hmm. um, or reshuffling, that there's an emphasis on transitioning to a, a, a diversified model, and that diversified model includes, includes the specialty crops. Is You guys are part of the Blueberry Growers Association, but... Um, is the extension in your county also emphasizing a transition to more specialty crops? Well, they're kind of they want a lot of diversity because I think what they're trying to do is I don't understand the whole tobacco buyout and settlement things that had gone on before we moved here, but they're trying to get a lot um, more diversity in the crops, get people out of tobacco and going into things. And um, my uncle, head of the Blueberry Growers Association is working with the extension office trying to get, because the blueberry bushes themselves, I mean, they last over 10 years. You know, it takes like 8 to 10 years for them to reach maturity. And then I believe I saw a paper that said they last, they live and keep producing up to 70 years. So crops like that, they're trying to get, but they want to diversify a bit, I think, you know, more so we can go more locally with our stores and schools then instead of all the um, shipping in that we have to do to get a variety of the fruits and vegetables. So we're talking about regional self-sufficiency in fresh fruit for a region that doesn't have quite as much diversity as it could have and that the ag jobs that you're looking to to create with that, those ag jobs would also be contributing to, you know, better food access for for the people who live there. Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely the way I'm interpreting it because they have, they're pushing a lot of grants and starting up programs for new farmers, um, for helping um, minorities in that starting farms and just going into the different crops. They're, they have grants and loans to help people, yeah, branch out to do more, I believe, yes. But I heard that they don't have grants and loans for septic system repair. What, what <laughs> no, <we> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's no. talk about how we met and um, and the story around the septic tank. Oh, oh yeah, that 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 was a fun time here. <laughs> we, yeah, I didn't mention in my moving story that after the whole moving thing and the adjustments, we did, you know, hit hard times and found out you can you can live on. A lot less than we originally thought, and then after um, we had bought a bunch of farm expenses, we found out that our sewer was leaking, and I was um, with not funds left because our big time is in the fall. I, I was rather worried, and I was searching around for any assistance or grants or loans or anything to get that septic taken care of, and that's how I came across you was I looked up the farm aid dot org or dot org or dot com farmaid online and the gentleman there referred me to several different websites and groups and and to you guys also just for information and to see what I can do and even I didn't quite figure out something with the septic but um I I have faith I'm a religious person and I believe the Lord provides and he did we ended up getting funds and it wasn't such a big deal as um 
replacing the whole system. My husband is very handy, and he has quite a bit of carpentry experience and just a jack-of-all-trades and ended up being able to fix that um, drain field, putting use to all the farm equipment around here and all the digging and everything. But, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. But out of all that craziness, I've I've had a lot of good things come out of it, like contacting you guys. Well, it's funny because the Lord provides, and then it also helps when you have a husband with carpentry experience. Oh, so yeah. That, that may be a lesson to others who are are considering this, these kinds of big, bold moves and um, or are forced into transition, mm-hmm. having a strong team around you and and really knowing what your capacities are as a couple or as a unit of or as a family is turns out to be really important. Oh, yeah, definitely, because my, my dad's good at coming up with ideas, and he, he's good with, um, he's pretty good with building things. My husband's got a lot of building experience. My stepmom is very creative and crafty, and I do, I do pretty well. I like getting out and talking to people, so all of our skills come in handy, especially like in this next month we um, have Blueberry Festival coming up. So everybody, you know, can work together, so, yeah, if you're, People are thinking of getting on their own and farming. If they're not good at one thing, make a friend with somebody who is and then do some trading of skills. <laughs> like my husband, he's chopped down logs. He's trying to add on to our house now. And he has a friend that's trying to build his house, not very good at electrical stuff, but he has a sawmill. So he trades labor to get his wood cut up so we don't have to go to Lowe's and buy boards. <laughs> That's it. That's the, that's the end of the parable is that we don't have to go to Lowe's to buy boards. That's enough reason that's enough reason to make 20 relationships for me. Exactly. Yeah. It it's that's I think that's the why communities like in the town we're in now why people are so much happier and friendlier because if we all work together, you get your stuff done so much quicker and there's not all that stress to worry about and so much just money to deal with. I think we, you know, computer stuff and desk things can only take you so far. At some point, we got to actually get out and do something on our own, too. So now we talked about your husband's skills and 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 other people. You have a skill now um, of talking with people, and and but you're also getting more into this mothership. If you're having a stay-at-home mom role, that's very different from um, nine to five making X-rays. Maybe you could. Just reflect on what that transition has been like. Benefit and, uh, you know, maybe also, are your kids old enough to help on the farm yet? That's the real question. Yeah, no, (laughs) not really. (laughs) They're getting there. Um, I have three girls that are eight, three, and one. So the eight-year-old's kind of getting there. But, yeah, um, as a tech, I worked in a hospital. I typically work 10 or 12-hour shifts about four to six days a week, and then with driving time, we were gone all day, and um, I, I, you like the independence, you get used to doing stuff on your own, and then I moved down here, and I'm in the house with the kids, and everybody goes out, and I'm in the house with the kids, and, you know, you're good for like a week, but I, I grew up with a single dad, and me and my sister, like, team worked everything, so I'm like, okay, now, who's going to come help me? <laughs> do this stuff you know you just miss that social interaction with adults and I I have had kind of a hard time with that but I I realized with my oldest child 
I was in college when she was three, and then working full-time, I missed so much stuff with her. You know, you see their first steps in that, but as they're growing and you notice the daily changes, I missed all that. So now, although it does get overwhelming when most of your human interaction is with preschoolers, I I know that when I look back that I didn't put something else ahead of them. And so that makes me feel good. But, but it is an adjustment, and your your personality does kind of change, and you get sucked into, like, Disney movie themes. And it's just I've, I have found, though, recently down here that, and I know there was in Michigan, and I just never, I was we were so busy, didn't even think about that, but community theater is something that I did way back as a teen that I'm looking, started doing now, and, got to know a lot of people that have similar interests with me that way. And so I go and volunteer and do that. And now my kids are kind of getting into that too. So we're we're kind of, the neat thing about this is they're learning how to grow things and to be considerate of the environment. And now that I'm home, they're considerate of more of chores because there's a lot of, you know, somebody else isn't teaching them what their proper manners and that should be which I'm other people do okay at that, but it's not the same when they're your children. You want them to have your ideas, kind of. So it, I I like the control over that, and then I not only am I starting to grow my own little garden plants as I'm home as well, I'm growing my children how they think, how I believe they should be raised. And, and at the end of the day, as crazy as I feel at some times, I should <laughs> I can sleep with a clear conscience on it all. Sleeping with a clear conscience under a sky that has stars, that does a lot for your sanity, just your capacity to handle to handle the difficulty, I think. Well, in my case. Oh, yeah, and, and it does. And I went to Louisville to see a show last night, and my friend brought that up as we were standing out there getting ready to leave that, there are I never really realized, even in a, not a huge city, but there you can't really see the stars. And here every day you kind of, you know, you can see everything in the sky. And just that alone, I mean, it's worth a trip out for a bit. You know, if you live in the city, take a vacation in the country just to be able to see that. Yeah. So, well, and I was just, I was just remembering as we were talking about, um, and you were talking about your kids learning how to do their chores, I was reminded about uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, I was a little older than your tw- than your eight year old. Well, I guess I was I was a slow reader, but uh, I started reading about the Little House on the Prairie, mm-hmm. and um, I was just talking with some other friends of mine who were young farmers, and they also read Little House on the Prairie. And then I started doing a survey of my friends, and I figured that we had almost every single one of us had read almost every single book in that series. Wow. So I just gonna I was just gonna recommend that you consider those um, those books because what's nice is you can you can keep reading and keep keep going. Yeah, but I didn't even I, think I didn't even think about that. I've you know I, it's, I'm so just blown away still by where I am because I never I I still they laugh at me now because I go I love doing stuff with my garden and I I'm just so proud of my little plants but I hate getting my hands dirty so <laughs> I wear gloves all the time and. I, I like to do it. I just, I have my own way still. I suppose it's, and maybe that'll eventually wear out. 
the longer I'm here <laughs> for now. Are, are people, do people tease you about your gloves? The ones that see me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because not only that, I, I try to, um, I, I love pink. I, I got a lot of girly ways to me, and so just the whole thing with that. They they laugh at me, but I, I may have my quirks, but I'm one of those people. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> So my ways change. <laughs> well, I think you're probably. The, I think that that's what maybe is going to take to succeed. And I, uh, I'm so thrilled for our for our exchange. And I, I do hope that you'll keep us abreast of what goes on down there and how, how things shape up with the nursery and and how things shape up with your own garden and your own um, side projects off the nursery. And um, and keep us posted. Oh yes, I will. Yeah, my husband is currently looking into. He's he's trying to expand. He likes doing the plant things, but he wants his own blueberry farm now. So that's his next goal. Is he's trying to look into ways and in getting a fifty-acre blueberry farm. Not not only would it spread a lot to the area and provide a lot more jobs and stuff in the seasonal times, but. Um, just even having a 10-acre farm in Kentucky would make it the largest blueberry farm in Kentucky. So he, he's got high goals, so we'll keep you updated on how that goes. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today on Heritage Radio. Yep, um, it's such a pleasure to have you all the way from Kentucky on the telephone and through the Internet. It's wonderful how, how the networks work and getting us connected. Oh, yes, so. I agree. Thank you so much for having me, and I keep track on you guys now. I think it's a great thing that you're doing and getting the word out. I think it's this is the way that we all eventually need to start going and changes we need to make to um, keep the precious environment that we have. Well, thank you for your part into it in, in, in doing that, and thank you listeners for listening and, and being a part of the community in that way. Uh, we are here once again with Greenhorn Radio uh, by Young Farmers, for Young Farmers, um, with the hope that soon there will be many, many, many more young farmers in this fine nation of ours. Um, we're sponsored by First Family Ranch, and we are brought to you on the Heritage Radio Network, heritageradionetwork.com, www.thegreenhorns.net. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye.